Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your stupid... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm henchman host, Javi. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to start with stupid every time I talk about a Bond movie. <laughs> and uh, this is our review of The Spy Who Loved Me. The Spy Who Sucked Me. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been literally calling it that for the past couple days. The Spy Who Gave Me the Suck. <laughs> or you know like my friend says hump instead of like to bang the spy who humped me nice i watched the wrong movie i watched like six hours of austin powers austin powers <laughs> i'm not gonna lie y'all well funny enough uh this is gonna be our first movie with roger moore in it and i do feel like the roger moore james bond movies are where the series goes so fucking wild. Well, this one is pretty tame compared to where it's going to go in the next couple years. Yeah, um, this is like his third Bond movie, by the way. Like, uh, So I was reading an article just today that was just posted today on Screen Rant where they talked about... Because there's one thing that I did notice in this movie, and I'll go ahead and say it right off the top. Uh, there is no Aston Martin in Spoilers, bitch. Nah, you're right. There wasn't. Instead, and, it was the Lotus, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I and, beat that too. And apparently the reason for that was because they didn't want Roger Moore to be confused with Sean Connery. Because oh my god, I totally would have confused those two. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I guess the idea was, you know, to a certain subsect of Bond fans, I guess, the Sean Connery shadow loomed so large over this series that they just could not get over it and that it would just be too derivative for him to drive an Aston Martin. Oh my god. What was it? Was it the fact that he sweat in every scene? <laughs> was it the fact that his hair was like flopping off every time he threw a quote unquote punch? Was it the, you know, very aggressive sexual advances he What's, may or may not have made on his co stars? It's not like he's that like young it's not like roger moore is that young right like i so, mean yeah i was gonna ask you that so he didn't take the the he didn't take the the role for in her majesty's secret service i don't think he was offered it then i thought he was but Tim, he, a very young timothy oh, dalton was offered it then oh gosh well, timothy dalton's been old forever okay <laughs> same thing with fucking roger moore everyone's been they were just born that way yeah even you know daniel craig now just looks like you know, he was... If fucking being Bond ages you worse than a U.S. president. hi <laughs> Bang, bang! In some ways, yeah. Ooh. It also has, like, seriously injured Daniel Craig yeah. <laughs> for much of his life. Um, but anyway, obviously, this is one of those movies where we don't... Where Javi doesn't really have experience with it, having seen it before. I've... Um, no. <laughs> I, the only experience I have with this is playing Jaws in Goldeneye. <laughs> Yeah, and the only experience I have with this really is, I mean, I've, I watched it once, like, again, 15 years ago on Spike TV during this marathon, and also I just remember this being the movie, The this is the Bond's car turns into a submarine movie. That's what this movie's known for? For me, it was. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. really? That's what you associate with this movie? <laughs> Not the fucking seven-foot-tall behemoth that can bite through chains with his stupid teeth? Well, there's a reason for that. Um, you wanted a submarine car as a kid, huh? What? You wanted a submarine car as a kid, huh? No. No, it's because I will spoil it for you right now, but Jaws is going to be the only Bond henchman to return in another film. <sighs> Fuck. Just shoot me into the sun. Oh, 
You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because the movie they that Jaws shoot comes shoot Jaws into the sun. The movie that Jaws comes back for is actually Moonraker. Fuck yeah, I knew it was gonna be, gonna be stupid. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, what was the exact text I sent you yesterday when... Uh, so, I've never seen this movie, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I was texting Angel as I was watching it yesterday. I got back home from a workout, and I was really, like, in, in a fatigue fugue state. <laughs> and I remember I was texting Angel while watching this movie, and when I see Jaws... What was it? Oh, I told you that I hate how they make Russia seem like the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I also said Jaws can fuck all the way off this planet <laughs> Spoiler alert He does <laughs> So I accidentally made a funny without knowing that he was going to be back in Moonraker <laughs> You accidentally predicted the future of this franchise <laughs> I know I predicted a movie from 40 years ago <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is the third movie with Roger Moore in it. Uh, Roger Moore is actually the one Bond that I have the least association with. I wasn't, I'm sorry, I was not around to really watch his films. Obviously, Pierce Brosnan was the Bond I grew up with. That's my Bond. Because it was the 90s and early 2000s for me. Um, Timothy Dalton, I had just missed it. Um, I've seen, uh, Living Daylights, Within the last five years, but that's about it. Other than that, you know, uh, the, in, the this is essentially an introduction to Roger Moore for me, and Roger Moore is is much sexier than mm. <laughs> than Sean Connery was. Mm, very shades of George Lazenby with the, the hairy chest. It's funny you say that too, because let's well we'll get into the podcast and I'll and I'll bring it up. But anyway, so this movie kicks off with. Uh, Everyone's favorite, you know, James Bond trope, which is a fucking ski, <laughs> a <Yeah>. ski <laughs> race to death. Yeah. But no, before that, um, you it's, know, before that is sex. We're introduced to a lot of the major players usually through sex, and yeah. um, it's funny too because the male partner in this, I swear, for like half a second before I really just like woke up, I was like. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, is this Roger Moore? He looks very young. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's not. And then I see actual Roger Moore. I was like, oh, wait, I was way off. <laughs> I know. I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, this is Bond? This is how I remember Roger Moore looking like. <laughs> yeah. So we're introduced right off the bat to our main villain of the film, but not introduced by name. But, you know, spoiler alert, it's Carl Stromberg, who is a scientist slash shipping tycoon. Yes. So, again... You know, they may make communism be the bad guy, but it's those capitalist pigs that are the true enemies. Corporate America is, well, corporate, just corporate people in general are, like, the devils in James Bond. And pretty much everyone sucks in James Bond movies. <laughs> I think that's the point we're trying to hammer home. So, pretty much Stromberg, um, well, it actually opens up with this ballistic sub, right? That Stromberg, this, I think, is it the British one or the Soviet one? Or is it a British and Soviet one? Yeah, I believe it's both. So pretty much Stromberg, like, has this device that's able to eliminate them. And he's mm -hmm. able to kind of, like, destroy them underwater. Yes. And the problem is that these subs are top secret subs that no one knows about and no one should be able to track. 
Uh, meanwhile, we find that James Bond is on mission is on a mission somewhere in like Austria. East, Austria, thank you. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say Western Europe. No, well, yeah, no, Eastern Europe, but yes. I don't fucking know geography. <laughs> I barely know where I live. <laughs> so he's on uh, he's on a mission where he's trying to intercept Soviet intelligence uh, from this agent only known as Triple X, right? Yeah. So, haha, so he's gonna fuck Vin Diesel is the only <laughs> obvious thing. Uh, what ends up happening is while he's, um, you know, sleeping his way with one of Stromberg's, like, uh, confidants, he gets made by the, by the KGB, and which leads us into a daring escape. Where he, where James Bond accidentally kills one of, the, well not accidentally, but he kills one of the KGB agents. Mm -hmm. And we have that awesome fucking famous shot that I think everyone has seen. Even if you haven't seen this movie, everyone has seen the stunt where um, James Bond like skis off the ledge of a mountain and goes flying off. And pulls the chute to reveal like the British flag. Yes, and is a parachute, right? The also the other thing I do like about this too is this also is the launching point for us into our opening credit sequence. And what's really cool about that is this is like the prototype to the credit sequences that I'm used to, like the weird motion, like weird mocap, like animations that go along yes. with it. Yes, so, so because you love the Chris Cornell Bond introduction. Fuck yeah, and also is, Die Another Day, even though that yeah. movie sucked balls, it's, it's sure. credits. But I know. think, I, I always feel like Die Another Day and like almost every other Bond movie, a lot of them try to do Goldfinger more. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think when you are talking about Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale, I do think those movies specifically kind of just are a shout back to this mm -hmm. um that said uh what do you think of the bond theme for this movie oh you mean the funky disco one that no, you no, well the funky oh, no, disco the, the funky the disco, disco before, one yeah I, I did notice that and then because you like, texted me about it we're like <laughs> busting a jive to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was just like god i was like yeah it's like this is the james bond hey we're hip guys we're in the 70s now <laughs> and you're like this is the song that i'm going to have another child to <laughs> <laughs> But I'm actually talking about uh, the the theme, which is uh, nobody loved me. Yeah, nobody. Whatever. Well, the song is called "Nobody Does It Better" by Carly Simon. Yeah, it was. You know, it's one of those that you wouldn't think you'd hear in a Bond film. But I also felt the same way about "Live and Let Die." You know, I actually hated this song when I first like watched this movie and heard the theme. But now, it grew on you. yeah, it, it's one of those things that just grows on you to the point where now it really is one of my favorite Bond songs. That's pretty dope. And I think it's the it is the one that uh, that I you know tend to remember even more than "Live and Let Die." I think "Live and Let Die," like you said, it's one of those songs that that kind of got so mainstream that like people don't even just associate it with bond anymore no i didn't like i for sure didn't yeah i didn't even know you know how i knew about live and let die i listened to the guns and roses cover of the paul mccartney song i had no idea it was even for the james bond yes. movie you know? and that is the final roger moore uh bond movie I believe, live and let too. die yeah really yeah so so before we move on though i do want to say uh going back to that to that um to that uh, 
the what's it called the the skydiving uh stunt Mm-hmm. I remember reading somewhere that they were trying to replicate that, or they were trying. They were trying for several movies to try to get that stunt in, and there was just no way they could do it financially. It, it definitely feels like like you're watching a stunt that they wanted to do in On Her Majesty's Secret totally. Service. Totally, and they were just like, we don't have enough money to cover this insurance. Yeah. Uh, what's really funny though is that I just want to mention real quick: if anyone's ever read The Kingsman, there's a reference to this joke. Or to, there's they make a joke to this scene where this like super super spy um, ends up saving Mark Hamill. <laughs> he saves Mark Hamill and they end up going over the over the cliff and he's like, "Don't worry, Mr. Hamill, I got you." And then as he pulls the the chute, the chute fails and him and Mark Hamill die like by falling into the gorge. <laughs> and then it just cuts to a mission briefing and they're like, "Yeah, it appears there was a failure to uh, there was a failure in his chute." And someone was like, damn, budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, oh, man. But, you know, it's just, it's just a really cool stunt. And you definitely love seeing other pop culture stuff. But that's it. That's all I want to say. Um, how do you feel about Roger Moore as James Bond? Right off the bat, it feels weird. And I can see why there was a lot of pushback. It's probably the same. I don't think there's pushback to him. I no, think I was going to say, it makes sense why there was pushback with George Lazenby. Because oh, yeah. a lot of people were like, eh, you know, like, um, you know, a lot of people were, were used to Sean Connery, right? So even myself, as someone who has criticized Sean Connery's, like, portrayal of James Bond, it felt weird to have someone else step in the shoes. But honestly, like, you can tell he's a lot more com- comfortable in the role, at least right off the bat. So I'm yeah like my first impression is he's good you know yeah. he's good he's like the barrel-chested James Bond he's yeah like the, he's he's much he's the action hero James Bond exactly yeah. even though I he doesn't he obviously doesn't do much stunts in this as well either yeah with the rear projection but but absolutely I feel like if if Roger Moore was like fifteen to fifteen years younger. I thought you were gonna say pounds. I was like, what is <laughs> no, it? Fifteen years younger, he'd be he'd be the bond, the perfect bond in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. He's just I think we liked the how George Ladsenby at least fit the tone of the movie that he was in. But we can all agree that he wasn't a great Bond, and you don't really miss much by like moving on from him after one movie. No, I think he was the right Bond for that story. And, and but it, it's fine to move on, you yeah. know. Like I, I also do feel like the kind of tone and style and kind of the more outlandish nature of this, Roger Moore fits this. Oh, totally. And, and God damn it, I'm not. I'm gonna avoid saying what I want to say because it's gonna be. It's gonna go back to Batman, yeah. isn't it? It's gonna be '60s Batman. Yes, he's Adam West. <laughs> he's Adam West to me. He's the guy who he was the perfect guy for this role at this time. Yeah, he was just wearing those sweet spandex that just <laughs> gave you a sexual awakening, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> post the credits, uh, the opening credits, uh, we get into the actual, I guess, the Wait, story is, itself. Is this the part where we see a woman get eaten by a shark? Yes. Fucking red, bro. It really helps that I actually did watch Austin Powers. <laughs> One of my buddies was like, I'd never seen the Austin Powers movies. I was like, well, motherfucker, I hope you're ready. Yeah. So I watched um, I watched uh, Spy Who Shagged Me and Inter- um, International Man of Mystery. And I like just the running joke of the sharks with the freaking laser beams on their heads. 
as soon as I saw this, the woman, like, who betrayed, uh, fucking, what's this dude's name again? The villain? I'm gonna, uh, Stromberg. Stromberg. So the woman d- that betrays Stromberg, to see him be like, feed her to the sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shoots her through a tube into a pool full of sharks. I'm like, I finally get the fucking joke. Well, the other thing, too, another reason why this is kind of a big thing is one of the things that I haven't, I guess, really brought up, but that you will notice throughout time as we go through this series, Bond likes to jump on a lot of trends to stay relevant, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think it's very obvious when you see something like Quantum of Solace, it feels very much like Bond trying to do the Bourne movies. Mm -hmm. Um, If you watch... uh, you know, if you watch Die Another Day, God help us all. God, I, I feel wait. like I feel like it was very much like Bond trying to catch up to Vin Diesel and Triple X. I it was <laughs> extreme. <laughs> I think uh, you know much like and and I really think that this movie in particular really wanted to jump on the Jaws bandwagon. Like, keep in mind that Jaws came out either the year before or two years before this. So they're like, people are afraid of sharks. Yes. Let's have fucking sharks eat everybody. And let's make the 1A villain in this, the evil henchman, Literally. Oh, (laughs) I'm so fucking mad right now. Are you fucking serious? That's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's everything, right? Like, it's Bond isn't the only franchise that does this. Franchises do this all the time. If something is popular and big and exploded, and let's keep in mind that Jaws is the original blockbuster. Like, there was nothing like it before. Uh, and, and obviously now we have blockbusters every summer and all summer. But Jaws was an event when it happened. So I can't fault them for wanting to... You know, so they're like, "What if the fucking shark was a person?" <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this movie. <laughs> Fuck Jaws. I will say that I Jaws is an awesome henchman. Shut the fuck. He up. is frightening Shut. and gigantic. Shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> he is in the fucking Hall of Fame of useless henchmen with the fucking stupidest possible weapons. If I if you thought I hated Odd Job, you do not know how much I fucking hate Jaws. Jaws is way better than those fucking dildos that we were covering last week. Dude. Oh, look at this Winch chain! Kid. <laughs> Shut up! Those two were terrifying because they were. You didn't know if they were lovers, if they were killers, if they were killer lovers. They were all over the place, man. <laughs> Until one of them had a bomb shoved up his ball. Give me more Jaws and just put it in my veins. Oh, you. What was your favorite part when he bites the stupid chain? Absolutely. No, when my he favorite tears part... a van apart with his bare hands. Nah, bro. My favorite part was where he actually murders the shark with his teeth. That's so. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> Alright, well, we probably should get back to the actual storyline of this. Anyway, so, pretty much, I mean, this movie jumps around a lot, so we're going to try to keep it as streamlined as possible. Yeah. But essentially what what happens is that the Soviets and the British are both trying to find this microfilm. They find out that they're the big fucking um, evil, evil, or not evil, but the big device that everyone is hunting for is pretty much 
this thing that helps people track nuclear subs. It's really not. Scanner. It's really not too dis, too different from the movie we watched last week, right? Where it's Bond and an agent woman or a duplicitous woman, who they're both after the same thing, and to get it, they are gonna team up for a while. Except, it really is similar. Except in the last movie fucking was just gone. Yeah. This is a Fuck. much better version of that. Yeah, this is what they were trying to do. <laughs> uh, the other thing, too, is that I that I thought was interesting. When he meets the character of... Tri- I would just call it Triple X. You mean, hey, you have some respect for Comrade Amasova. Well, Amasova, whatever. We can call her whatever you want. Call her Triple X Amasova. <laughs> So Vodkalinsky. <laughs> so when Bond and Amasova are talking, you know, one of the things that she does bring up is the fact that he was married and has a deceased wife. That part was rad, and I wasn't expecting it. I, I thought they were gonna try super hard to push away as po- much as possible. Yes, and that's what I mean about like I feel like Roger Moore's Bond. It feels way more connected. To Lazenby Bond than Sean Connery ever did. Oh, definitely. Like, and I love the way he plays it off because you see his face change immediately yes. after she brings up his wife. Sean Connery couldn't do that. Oh fuck! He didn't give a shit. He no man could give less of a shit about his dead wife than Sean Connery. And I want some. And yes, in context and maybe even out of context. <laughs> But it was ridiculous. I love the way Roger Moore played that because he he just he he lulled and then he's serious. He was just like, <laughs> "You better shut the fuck up, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much the plan here, or you know, like you were mentioning, right? So Amasova and uh, James Bond are both in charge by their bosses to find this microfilm. Um, so in order to find the microfilm, they have to go to pretty much on a lot of uh, world hopping expedition, right? Yes. Uh, where they end up in Cairo, I believe? Yes. To try to find a man by the name of Kefir? Kelfer? I forgot what his name was. But essentially, he's like the keeper of the microfilm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, uh, Bond actually, he goes to this apartment waiting to be, um, waiting to meet, I think, Kefir, who is actually out in, in the pyramids of Giza at this point. Uh, he meets a woman, and you think, you know, she's like, and she tells him, "Oh yeah, Kefir won't be back in for four hours, so we have so much time by ourselves." So right when they're about to get down to do the dude, you know, immediately, I'm and I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna be the second Bond girl, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking, she doesn't even have a chance to be a Bond girl. She just gets fucking capped right away. Yep. <laughs> Which takes us into our first fight scene of the movie, our first big fight scene. Where uh, Roger Moore chases the the chases the killer up the stairs. It's this big old bald guy who looks kind of like Michael Chiklis. <laughs> so they get into a very um, physical battle, I guess. They just start kicking the shit out of each other. Again, not the best stunt fight work, but hey. No, we're but, not... but better than any fights we saw last week. Yes, <laughs> that's for true. And he ends up uh, ending up in this stupid predicament where the bad guy is like on the ledge, like tiptoeing off the ledge. The only thing holding him on is Roger Moore's tie, which he's grabbing onto. So he ends up telling him that, you know, the guy he's looking for is at the pyramids. To which he responds by just snatching his tie away and letting this guy fall to his death. And I forgot what the joke. He he had a joke, something, but it wasn't like a cheeky joke. Like mm. it was a different one, something about like yeah, Roger Moore's one-liners have did made 
made no not I'm not saying they were bad, but they just didn't make much of an impression on me, so I can't I can't for the life of me tell you what it, it was. Yeah, it wasn't it's really interesting because again, this is a different kind of bond than Sean Connery's. It's not like there's camp there is campiness, but nowhere near on Sean Connery level. And let's be clear, like before you know, lest anyone who listens to this show for like the second <laughs> time or third episode ever think that like we just think Sean Connery was the absolute worst. If you watch if you watch From Russia with Love, if you watch Goldfinger, if you watch... Yeah, uh, we liked Goldfinger. <laughs> if you watch Never Say Never Again, that is prime Connery. We are specifically talking about... Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. It was that one kind of shit on whatever legacy <laughs> Yeah, it was literally like... It, it was literally like a shart... <laughs> like like you pull your pants down and you realize that you actually duped yourself. Yeah, that like, was Sean Connery like being like he drank a little bit too much scotch and he's <laughs> a little bit excuse me, I need to go to the commode and then yes, that's my Sean Connery impression. And then he and then you know, he's like peeing and then he accidentally like farts and he feels like the warmth spread. <laughs> and the problem is he's wearing that white like tuxedo that he wears, so you just start seeing it seep through his underoos and it's like just a big brown spot. <laughs> Wait, what was I talking about again? <laughs> I can't get over the worry you found the warmth spread. I'm a um, fucking poet, dog. <laughs> Alright. So we're anyway, getting back to this. <laughs> so they um so James Bond along with uh, Amasova, they um they go to the pyramids to try to uh to try to find the guy keeping the microfilm. And this is where we get introduced to your fucking favorite henchman douchebag. Lovely. Jaws. Yes. And if you thought Jaws was just the cool nickname, no, it turns out he has razor sharp metal fucking teeth that are capable of fucking like tearing chains apart, which he does. <laughs> he ends up cornering the guy that has the microfilm and ends up killing him and escaping before James Bond can uh, attack him. Uh, eventually, Bond and Amasova, I think it's at this point they decide that they're going to start working together instead of uh, competing against each other until they get the microfilm. Because mm -hmm. the big thing is getting the microfilm because it poses such a danger to both governments. Um, they they drive off and, you know, they, they get transport and they go off from Cairo. They go somewhere in the desert. I forget which, what's the next place they go to. Um, and there is where they confront Jaws. Mm-hmm. And which leads us out. What has Jaws been in? He looks super familiar. I don't know. I don't know that he's been in anything else. But, uh, what I do, like, if you watch Skyfall, the character of Silva that is played by Javier Bardem... I, I physically, in terms of how he looks, is very much molded after this character. Yeah, he has his stupid hair, and also the, the, where he when he pulls out the dentures from his mouth because like, he has no fucking face. Yeah, like he looks like Jaws. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so, or at least what Jaws is supposed to have done to him. So they end up fighting, and they well James Bond ends up fighting Jaws. He ends up stealing the microfilm from him, and they they have a harrowing escape where this motherfucker, <laughs> where apparently he can just do whatever he wants, and he's strong enough to rip a van with his bare hands, and it's like 
this is this is the first time I'm not gonna rag on the villain. This time I'm gonna look right at fucking Roger Moore and be like, "Why didn't you shoot him right from the beginning? Just shoot him!" Yeah, this is the one time where the henchman isn't the one that's slowly murdering Bond. It's the fact that Bond isn't just fucking killing. Like, this guy. why are you even trying to fight this seven foot tall bastard? Amosova reminded us he has a license to kill, and he has killed several times. That's not gonna come up again ever. So wait, is this the, what part was it that, going back to that, what part is that Amasova talks about her dead husband? Yeah, so, I don't, I don't remember what part they talk about it, but, uh, it's interesting when it does come up, because I do remember her mentioning something about her, like, her losing a husband and that being kind of a thread. And I think her husband is the guy who we saw her sleeping with in the beginning of the film, right, that Bond kills. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so this is... So that's why Asimova, whatever her name is, looks... Asim, As- Asimova? <laughs> hey, mom, bring that Asimova. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm a genius. So, yeah, that made... Because I was wondering why she looked so familiar in the same movie she's in. <laughs> so that actually makes sense now. All right. So anyway, they decide to work together. They end up getting the 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 microfilm back, and I believe this is the point where they both they they agree to go into under deep cover, right? Mm-hmm. And to go into um to to pretend to be like husband and wife, marine biologists, so that they can uh they I think they that's when they find the location to that uh Atlantis. Yes, I think that's what the microfilm. Which is the hideout on. to our yeah. main villain here. So the so that's what it was. They find the microfilm. It gives them the location of Atlantis, the hideout of Kromberg or whatever the fuck his name Again, is. Again, I think specifically the Austin Powers movies. I think a ton of them. You Only Live Twice is obviously part inspiration of Doctor Evil because of Donald Pleasance's Blofeld in it and the. It does feel a little like you know, like that film, the mm. the original Austin Powers, but the second Austin Powers is and the third are most definitely this era of Bond. Oh, definitely, <laughs> the definitely. crazy villain hideouts, the like mini me, the ridiculous uh, you know shark tanks. It's <laughs> this is where we are already now. Oh my god! One of my favorite jokes from. Uh... <laughs> From uh, International Man of Mysteries. He's like, where's our sharks? We couldn't get the sharks, sir. So what do we have? He goes, we have big tuna that are very, very aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they, you know, Bond and Amasova uh, pretend to be this couple marine biologists that are going to get their way onto this new fucking platform that's that 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 they want to they want to learn more about what Cronberg's doing out in the middle of the ocean right Mm -hmm. um and right off the bat they meet this uh other henchwoman of his who immediately is pretty trying to fuck pretty much trying to fuck james bond (laughs) and it's funny because amasova just immediately gets jealous even though he tried to hit on her earlier and she was not having any of it yeah (laughs) and she immediately gets jealous and i'm like remember guys like james bond always taught you if you got if you got the hots for a dame hit on another dame to get her attention (laughs) (laughs) so 
they get on this they they get on this um platform or they get on this water base or whatever mm-hmm. and immediately almost immediately Cronberg figures out who they are um nothing really of tension happens which is actually really interesting because any other time James Bond has gone undercover to meet the villain it's always been tense right mm-hmm. even in even in movies like uh, the the shit Sean Connery one, like Di- Diamonds Are Forever, there was at least some sort of tension when him and Blofeld were in the same room. I didn't feel that this time. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it really, it's really interesting in that how Kronberg, even though is, t- I mean, he's a very viable Bond villain. He just doesn't seem as no um, it, intimidating. It, it doesn't feel well. I know last last week's felt really unpersonal and stupid. Yeah. This week, I really do feel that uh, the the villain is just kind of a their character, and I feel like Bond's kind of adversarial romance and also seeming. Rivalry with uh, Amasova is the crux of this movie. Yeah, like that's the more important source of tension. Because is... she does tell him that after this mission is over, she's gonna kill him. Well, this yeah, because that's when she finds out that he he admits to killing her husband. Yep, and it's after they sleep together. So it's after they hook up that she's like, I slept with my husband's killer. Fuck Which this is dude. all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, fuck, man. <laughs> like, that, that's... <laughs> I hope I'm never in that position where I sleep with my significant other's murderer. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a wild sense of tension. And yeah, definitely. I Like you said, I think that's the crux of it. Uh, as soon as they get to land, they immediately get attacked by... Uh, by Stromberg, I've been calling him Cromberg for like five minutes. Crabble, I've been calling her Mrs. Crandall. <laughs> anyway, so Stromberg's henchmen immediately try to kill Bond and um, bring that ass over, and like, yeah, shut up, don't cringe. That was that uh, was a joke, and I went for it again. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'll laugh. They get attacked by these uh, dudes on motorcycles. <laughs> One of which has a sidecar who shoots the sidecar like a missile. <laughs> yes. And I was like... Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what else? I mean, nothing else happens well, except the, the cars start chasing him with Jaws in it. And, it and goes, the, the car chase actually feels a lot like on Her Majesty's Secret Service, oh, the end definitely. of it. Like, I, do, I feel like I'm literally riding, driving on the same freeway. Oh, yeah, because it's like a weird canyon side. Like yep. a, it literally feels like the trip. same road yep. that we're on. Uh, but the best part about this is that uh, we reach a point where, you know, uh, he, he gets... He essentially, like... <sighs> I don't know what he what he shoots at the car behind them that like veers them off the road. Like shoots oil or something. Yeah, it's something. like from his not Aston Martin, they veer off the road and fly into the shack of an old Italian man. That's right. And, and, and in case you did not know that he was Italian, he literally says, "Mamma mia!" You don't see us doing it, but we're doing the Italian hand <laughs> meme because. That's 
That's exactly what he does. And I swear to God, it was so ridiculous that like I left, I let out such a like loud laughter in my living room, and I literally turned to my wife and I told her like, you know what this reminds me of? I was like, it reminds me of that viral like meme video with the with the cartoon character looking for his spaghetti. Don't you my spaghetti. <laughs> he just turns to the camera and goes, oh oh, spaghetti. <laughs> no, and then it also reminds me of when I admonished you a few episodes ago for doing an awful faux Italian accent, <laughs> only for this series to do a like exponentially more offensive Italian. Where do you think I learned it from? <laughs> This is learned behavior. Um, and then, you know, once... Bond, uh, that wasn't stupid enough. Well, then, you know, but once Bond has, like, shaken that car off, that's where the other assassin uh, woman sees him in a helicopter in which he's, got, he's in a goddamn... She's in a goddamn helicopter. They're chasing me with my fucking helicopter. What am I going to do? Oh, wait, bitch. My, my car. goddamn car will turn into a goddamn submarine and go in the goddamn ocean. That I love. You can always tell how how fucking ridiculous something is with the amount of times you say "goddamn." <laughs> and the best part about that too is that shortly after this car like morphs, <laughs> like Transformer style morphs into a submarine, is when he shoots the goddamn missile at the goddamn helicopter and is, it blows up. Is it bad that when I saw them drive into the water, I thought of the scene from The Office? <laughs> drive into the lake <laughs> yeah. I was like it would be hilarious if it doesn't like if it doesn't transform oh. uh, and they end up getting chased by mini subs yes mini fucking submarines everything I made fun of the last movie for having this movie has surprise bitch more mini subs so the mi and they end up getting in like a weird dog fight underwater with said mini subs except in this movie Submarines make more sense because a lot of it revolves around submarines as opposed to last week where it made no goddamn sense. To this the plot. was everything evolved in this plot has revolved around the ocean. Yes. Submarines, the movie. That's what this movie is. <laughs> Speaking of which, they get they board a submarine. Yes. <laughs> they I mean, board an American submarine. And uh, there's, you know, they make contact and they and they figure out that they're going to launch an assault on, um, on uh, what the fuck, what is his name again? I'm gonna Stromberg. Stromberg, thank you. Right, so they work with the sailors there who end up getting boarded by um, by uh, Stromberg's other ship that's called the Liparus. Liparus. I would just call it the Liparus. Liparu. Just call it the Liparus. It's called the uh, Liparu. <laughs> oh, huh. I don't know what accent uh, and hand motions. Are. It's like Italian hand motions. It's like but French with accent. Like, <laughs> with like half French, half Russian <laughs> accent. <laughs> I don't know what Just I'm call it the Liparus and move on. Shut up. It's the Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> Just rename it all together. Uh, I do like that the Stromberg hideout of Atlantis looks like uh, the Legion of Doom's hideout. It does. Super Friends. <laughs> it totally fucking does. And what's real, <laughs> what's fucking rad is that you then find out Stromberg's other plan is to use, like, is to hunt down every, um, 
every submarine using like the the that scanner technology he has mm. hijack them and then fire every fucking nuclear missile they can at New York and uh I think like Stalingrad or some shit mm. no St. Petersburg or something like that so that oh no Moscow that's what it was so they're going to destroy New York City and Moscow so I'm like, okay, this is the most doomsday, straightforward fucking villain plot. No, there's no trying to fucking destabilize the economy. There's no five different lasers shooting things at other lasers. <laughs> there's no sending women that are going to carry smallpox when triggered to infect the world or some shit. Pretty much. And, and it's like, and the best part is that, um, Stromberg has no real motivation. He's just like, I'm rich, bitch. I can do what I want. <laughs> so, so, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, so no. So the best part is, uh, you know, we get this sequence of Bond and, uh, and Amasova just like beating the shit out of all the henchmen. Yeah, they end up breaking out because they get boarded by uh, people from the Liparoo. And um, yeah, they end up breaking out and they beat the shit out of all these henchmen end up freeing the Americans who then find all these convenient, conveniently placed guns, which then takes us to the final assault, um, which pretty much plays out like any other James Bond movie. Right. I mean, where so, they, there's the good guy henchman and the bad guy henchman. And well, they're before all that, fight. basically what Bond does is he reprograms the submarines to file missiles, <laughs> to fire missiles at each other. <laughs> that's right. Saving that's right, that's Moscow right. and New York City. Um, <laughs> and I guess once that kind of done you know once we go past that that's when we get the uh you know where bond like actually kills stromberg but then runs into jaws again and this is where we get the awesome Jaws scene where he literally takes a goddamn bite out of a goddamn shark and how does he take him out for the for the fight right he throws him into the draw the, the the shark tank jaws kills the shark um oh no they don't actually they don't, right. kill him. they don't kill him no no because no they, they don't escape. kill him at all that's why that's why jaws comes back because yeah. he was never killed at the end of this movie they just escape on that like escape pod that they end up having sex on yeah well first i'm a Soviet, like but you killed my no oh, wait hold on i need to get my russian widow voice you killed my husband. Now I like you how, die. I like how your accent is literally... You're just doing Alison Brie on Glow right now. As Shh. your like, Russian accent. Yes. <laughs> I don't have much range, okay? I'm not fucking Matthew Lillard, alright? But anyway, she pulls a gun on him. And then she's like, no, dick too good. Can't kill him. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> That's exactly the emotion she was going for. When the and... dick's so good, it makes you change your allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he was smashing communism, all right. <laughs> so pretty much, the, the movie ends with the Russians and the British being like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, they're on a submarine that like ends up absorbing this escape pod, and then on there they get like a. Full shot of like Bond and Amasova. Like mid deed. <laughs> and then everyone just has a nice laugh and it's Very a freeze frame and come style ending like a, yeah, like an 80s uh, crime drama, like in the afternoons. <laughs> and then, um, 
you know, what you don't see is the uh, is the mid credit scene where the general, comrade general, is like, ho, 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 to the gulag now with you. <laughs> and then you see Emma Sova just dying in a work camp. What? Yay! <laughs> Communism! <laughs> anyway, so... Cold War was great, wasn't it? <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Vietnam was rad. <laughs> Anyway, um, alright, we've gotten through this one pretty quickly, so I guess the only question left to ask is, uh, do you like The Spy Who Loved Me? I actually do. I really do. I thought I was gonna, I was ready to hate it. I was ready to be like, okay, fuck James Bond, fuck James Bond movies, they all suck. And then, no, this one really brought me back. Like, it's campy enough to have all those Bond elements, but it's definitely, like, it definitely takes itself serious like the yeah. plot in in and of itself is pretty serious compared to all the stupid other fucking plots as far as like the villain plots go um aside from jaws who i thought was kind of a weak point in the movie everything else was great you know especially given for a movie of its time um yeah i definitely liked it i, I recommend it for anyone that he wants to get into james bond movies um i think it's a good jumping on point at least for roger moore it really is. I mean, I was I was impressed. So when obviously when we when we created the idea of doing the series, we knew we weren't going to do all twenty five Bond movies. Fuck no. So our idea was that we would pick kind of you know the iconic or one of the better entries of that Bond's uh, you know like film canon, and then we would do the worst or most outlandish or absurd. Uh, film in that canon. So, mm-hmm. obviously, Connery was easy for me to pick. Brosnan was easy for me to pick. Dalton was only in two, so that one was pretty simple. And it's just, this one, because, it, like I said, I didn't have any exposure to Roger Moore. I really had to do some digging on the internet to find out. And this is one of the more widely recognized good ones, right? Um, in his canon, and I would agree. I think I, I like this movie, and I think that it, it really is one of the better entries that we've seen in this series. Maybe the best one that we've seen. I mean, so 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 if we're ranking them right now, as of all we've seen right now, I'd have to admit, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is one. Mm-hmm. Goldfinger is two, and this one is a close three. I and, can see that. I... And this one is a lot closer in terms of, I like it as... Close enough to Goldfinger, more than I ever would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's pretty great that that you know that I'm able to discover you know uh, Roger Moore, you know Roger Moore's Bond work on this series right now. Yeah, I mean, just agree with what you said. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, that's it for this movie, and uh, we hope you guys come back. And we're not going to announce what we're doing yet because we're still trying to figure out exactly what movie we're reviewing next week but next week is finally our 50th episode of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty impressive uh just to kind of look back and think on it because you know there's a lot of things that javi and i have tried to do that it's just it's really hard to keep something up for so long (laughs) that's what she said (laughs) hi (laughs) oh and this uh just you know, reminds me or wakes me up to the fact that we are really, you know, started moving forward with this podcast and that now we're reaching a 50th episode. Yeah, a year and some change, a lot of, you know, it's cool to see our work is finally, 
making it not paying off because this shit ain't paying for nothing. But it's cool to see that our work is being appreciated enough that we, you know, it keeps us going, you know. So we appreciate all of you that have, like, reviewed, that have watched, that have, you know, been following up with us, that has given us suggestions. Uh, I'm talking about you, my friend who told me about the Velocipaster. I can't wait to review that film. <laughs> but, yeah, we appreciate you guys uh, joining us on this and, like, sticking around with us for all the absurdity we've had to put the, put up with. Yeah, so I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't hope. For much more than to be able to do at least another 50 episodes after this. So thanks for joining us for The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, please continue to uh, you know give us reviews on, on Apple Podcasts. It really is helpful for, uh, to do that. Share, <laughs> share, our, share links to the podcast. Uh, you know, if you go on our Instagram page at Do We Like Movies Pod, we have our Linktree link there. Uh, we have links to all the different applications that you can get this podcast through. And we're very happy that we actually do have audiences that listen to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play. Like, the amount of applications that people have used to listen to this podcast is actually very impressive. And it uh, definitely motivates us to keep going, uh, it, knowing that, you know that people are finding all these methods to uh, listen to our show. So we really want to thank you guys for uh, joining us and continuing to follow us. And hopefully we'll be able to give you something really special next week. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, later, turds.